Ladies and gentlemen, presenting the professor, Greg Dooley, and the pundit, Steve Clark. Men, take the mic. That's right. It's a special edition of The Professor and the Pundit, the emergency edition with Greg Dooley and Steve Clark. And we are presented, as always, by Nick Hopwood, a certified financial planner, founder and president of Peak Wealth Management. Retire with confidence. Greg, long time no see. Steve flashed the podcast nerd bat signal in our neighborhood and we assembled in the Batmobile and raced down to the studio because we had to talk about this stuff. Because life as we know it (laughs) in football has essentially not only changed, but it is over for the Pac-12 conference, or so it would seem. It is now the Pac-4, soon maybe to be the Pac-3, and maybe soon to be absorbed by the Mountain West Conference. Greg, here's my biggest takeaway of the entire thing. Many of the values that what the schools in the Big Ten hold dear and hold tight to We can't have a football playoff because the student-athletes need December to study for finals. Geography matters to the rich tradition that the Big Ten Conference holds. Extensive travel isn't good for the student-athletes. Athletes transferring isn't a good thing because it encourages them to quit after the first sign of trouble. We can't afford to pay players. These talking points that have been preached by countless coaches athletic directors, conference commissioners, NCAA figureheads for decades. And all of those things effectively in a year and a half have been completely wiped out. Yeah, completely. Where to start? Because there's a complete lack of a central focus, um, call it a commissioner, something like that, that could have presented this. And the all of these changes were clearly dictated specifically by the TV networks and the TV companies. And we were warned by this. This is the way it's going to happen. And we can all pick our origin wherever we want on this. And we'll talk about some of the talking points of, of, of where this could have been avoided. And quite frankly, I'm not sure it needs to be avoided. Some of the great things that are going to happening out of this is that for those that lamented the non-conference schedule, there's going to be bigger games because these teams like Washington, Oregon, USC, and UCLA, big games that we would not normally play them anyway, are now a part of your conference. So we're yeah. going to start playing them. So maybe our non-conference, although it may be whittled down to two games, but we're going to get more quality opponents coming in. And, and, and some of the teams that we just didn't want to see to begin with, which is many of the games of September, are probably somewhat going away in, in, in some regard. But I, I want to go back immediately to to the here and now and what's happened over the last week where the Pac-12 never had a media deal, Greg. They've been looking for it for over a year and it kept being delayed and they were promised it's going to be great and people at Washington and Oregon are now saying we expected our deal to be well north of $30 million and better than the Big 12 Conference and it ended up being 20 to $25 million via Apple. I mean, I saw the Twitter jokes, Greg. It was on the Hallmark Channel. Come watch the Pac-12 on the Hallmark Channel or on the DIY Channel or the Sci-Fi Channel. 
but it was 20 to $25 million per year, whereas the Big Ten gets $65 million for each institution. That's and a horrible deal. I know, and but from what I heard, they were pretty close. And not only that, it assumed some subscriber growth, right? It was right. contingent on subscriber growth. But I still heard that they were pretty close to locking arms and going, we're going to preserve the conference, we're going to do this, and sure enough, poof. Yeah, something happened that morning of the conference call. Yeah. Because that was the idea. We're getting to a conference call, and the word was out that they were not only going to ratify it, but then they were going to start talking about expansion with teams coming in after that. But 20 to 25 million when the Big 12 got $30 million plus. Yeah. And it's on major TV, not Apple's subscription, and not dependent on subscribers to Apple. No wonder they waited so long to announce the deal because they couldn't find a better one. There wasn't any more inventory or any money left. Yeah, that, that's an interesting point. You've talked about this, Steve, and you know this industry so well. There are only so many time slots. And where are you going to be on TV? Where are you going to be? And yeah, there's all these streaming options, but the streaming companies right now, right now are, it's bad business right now. Paramount, Disney's struggling right? Netflix seems to be doing okay for the most part, but they're not investing the same amount of money they are anymore. So you just can't say it's a wide open, yeah, we're just going to, we're going to make all this money and pay all these teams for streaming. It's not there. So one thing you said, the good side, Steve, and we can get, we can hit all this stuff hopefully, but to me, it comes down to, do you think conferences mean something in your life? It certainly does to me. I saw an old CCHA pin on eBay and I got a little nostalgic because I grew up going to hockey games in the CCHA. <laughs> and I feel for all of those people, Bill Walton and all of those people who are going on and on and all their legacy over 100 years, right? The other thing is, how much do you care about the other sports? I, I think that's the other question, right? Are you all about football? Most people are or a lot about football. But do you care about the other sports? Because especially now, when I mentioned this on the way in, having these students on these other teams, on softball teams, in fact, one of my former students transferred to Arizona State, and she sent me an email. And she sent me the video of, and I don't know if you heard the Missouri coach, football coach, go off on his concerns about all of this. I've seen the Missouri coach go off. Yeah. I've seen the Washington State coach be actually rather restrained yeah. in his thoughts on the matter, but continue. Yeah, so I do wonder... Steve, actually, I would be surprised if this didn't happen. If a coach or coaches or some teams, and maybe it is softball, because there were other people that were, other softball players were crowing about this. If there isn't some kind of revolt here in, in some of the other sports, with a coach, maybe like someone like, and I'm not saying, I'm, I'm using an example, but a well-tenured coach who doesn't give an F anymore, you know, who's going to hold a stand? Someone like Beth Plock or, or Hutch, right, when Hutch was here, if they didn't like it. If they won't support their team to boycott some of the stuff, but we'll see. Um, who are the winners? I guess the Big Ten's a the big, big winner. Ten, Rutgers is a big winner. <laughs> the Big Ten is a huge winner, and yet many people who live and reside and love the Big Ten are not exactly happy. And generally, the older you are, the more unhappy you are about this because the legacy is completely gone. It was the Big Ten Conference. It's now 18 teams. And the older people didn't like Friday night football because that belongs to the high school game. They feel that the Pac-12 should remain out 
regionally directed. The Midwest is Midwest, but but quite frankly, I mean, the Pac-12 was not bringing in ratings. The Pac-12 was losing attendance. They get twenty to twenty-five million dollars, and the timing for everything for the Pac-12 was absolutely awful. ESPN, the worldwide leader, Mr. Moneybags, just a few years ago, is now merely Mr. Broke. Yeah. I mean, the advancement in streaming led to cable cord cutting. Just ask yourself, your relatives, your neighbors, how many of them have ditched cable in the past three years? ESPN and ABC's parent company, Disney, if you thought COVID and the closure of theme parks was a huge hit to Disney's bottom line, guess what? Cutting the cord to them is even worse. That's what all the business analysts are saying. That's what people at Disney are saying. And ESPN being in the playoffs for all the four major professional sports, trying to do it with college football, they've run out of money. There isn't any money left. And the Pac-12 was without a chair when the music ran out. That metaphor has been talked about as happening decades ago, that somewhere musical chairs runs out and people run out of money, and then what do you have? Well, we're seeing it. Pac-12 had no money left to give. A subscription service is the best they could do at a huge low turnout, and that was enough. I'm going off on a rant, but Greg, one of the things that we were hearing last week was, hey, these things could potentially happen. What do you think? And my my basic response to all of this is, if it doesn't make an extra dollar for each Big Ten institution, they're not for it. And then expansion happened, and people go, well, that take didn't last well. Well, read on. Have you seen Washington and Oregon's alleged cut? It's half. Half. Yeah, they're getting half. So we got them at a huge discount. Is what happened. Why was it half? Because they did the math to figure out how each individual member of the Big Ten doesn't lose a single dollar. That's how they come up with half. They said, "This is the amount of revenue that Washington, Oregon is going to bring in. How do we not lose money on this deal? I know we will give them half." Yep. And Washington and Oregon says, "Okay, you know why?" Because it's still a 50% pay raise, Greg. For them, more they it's were. Still yeah. A 50. yeah. Let's yeah. pay them half. Right. But these were the one of the things that we were prideful about the Big Ten in the past, that we were paying everybody the same, regardless of whether you were Minnesota, Purdue, Wisconsin, or Northwestern. You got equal bowl revenue that was distributed, even though it was Michigan and Ohio State going to the Rose Bowl. And you took a certain amount of pride in that, that they were giving up some of that money so that everybody equaled out and benefit. And now it's like, yeah, you're going to take half and you're going to like it. Yeah. Well, and if you don't like it, I'll send you to the Mountain West. And, and it's supposed to build up to the time when the next TV contract comes around. And Steve, I got to say, everyone's just assuming that the money will be there maybe you know more for the next contract i wonder if it is we'll see how this goes i completely agree with you i completely agree with you greg so one of the big talking points in all of this and one of the reasons why they think the acc is next is they got a decent deal but it goes till 2036 and right now that average payout doesn't compete with the big 10 in the sec and that's why Florida State is all upset about it. It's why Clemson is upset Despite all about it. Their, their negotiation where they said, if you earn more in the postseason, you'll be able to keep a, a bigger share. Wasn't enough. Wasn't enough. Wasn't enough yeah. for Florida State. Florida State's only gotten louder after that concession by the ACC. And what they want is to have more money no matter what we do. 
And it's a bold statement for Florida State because they spent half a decade doing nothing for football and basketball. But now their football program is turning around a little bit. All of a sudden, they feel like they're in command. Florida State is looking at every single avenue to break through the grant of rights agreement and trying to latch on to someone. Even fund the buyout, which yeah. is what I saw, you know. Yeah. And, and look, the point in all of this is that the contract goes to 2036. The Big Ten is renewing at the end of 2030. We don't know what kind of money is going to be available at the end of 2030. Maybe streaming really picks up. But maybe the money will be there, but maybe they won't. In the long run, it might be that the long-term contract wins out. But right now in 2023, the contracts being up right now and the Big Ten being first to grab and to take money from not only Fox, CBS, and NBC, close many of the channels for everybody else. And one of the reasons why the Big 12 isn't dead instead of the Pac-12 is because the Big 12 decided to renegotiate its contract a year early than it should have. Yep. And if they had just let the Pac-12 took its turn, they would have had the money from the networks, from ESPN, and it would have been the Big 12 that would be left with an Apple subscription. Yeah, But the Big 12 commissioner is the brightest guy in the room well, right now. You talk about the winner, we said the Big 12. It's really the Big 12 because... We were having this conversation, or you certainly were, on WTKA a year ago. Is the Big 12, how is the Big 12 going to survive? Two years ago. And the guy outflanked the Pac-12 and renegotiated their contract ahead of time and basically saved themselves. It is absolutely wild that many thought the Big 12 would be the ultimate loser. Texas and Oklahoma would be joining the SEC, and it wasn't wrong to think that. It sure seemed like the Longhorns and Sooners were a bigger loss to the Big 12 than USC and UCLA were to the Pac-12. But the key was getting out ahead, okay? And Colorado, it was easy for them to come back to the Big 12 because they were a part of the Big 12 already. And that's another domino. Colorado was a part of the Big 8. They had been there for decades. Is it an easy target and a willing participant? And the Buffaloes, you know, didn't even wait for the announced media deal by the Pac-12. For them, it was still a pay raise. It was a 50% pay raise for Colorado, too. I mean, the Big 12 announcing that they're open for business beforehand, UCF, Cincinnati, BYU, Houston, they're joining. They're like small to medium-sized programs, but they were stable. The Pac-12 is down to four, Greg. The Pac-12 is down to four, and it's done. Make fun of Bill Walton if you want. The Pac-12 had a lot to be proud of. I know. I, I and, and believe me, I it's going bad. to be really weird watching the Big Ten moment and seeing UCLA sand volleyball. Yep. That's right. It's just going to be weird. Right. I mean, what, what, what's the Big Ten transition 30-second PSA? They're going to show somebody on a surfboard. Right. You know, off the coast of California somewhere. Are we going to have the Big Ten Network have O.J. Simpson highlight package? Yes. <laughs> yes, as if they've been part of our conference for decades. Right. Yeah, we just that, added a few Heisman trophies. That's, that's how it's going to go. <laughs> it um, is wild. I wonder what could have been done. But, you know, Oklahoma was in Texas are in the current round are one of the schools that kind of started this. And... It's funny because you can go back to Oklahoma in the whole Supreme Court case that really broke the NCAA's cartel in 1984, where really started this whole notion that that the NCAA can't control the TV money anymore and that individual conferences 
and later schools, Notre Dame, can go out and negotiate their own. That's what really started this latest round. But going back even further, traditionalists should know, right, that the conferences have been evolving for a long time. In fact, the Big Ten expanded three years into its existence to add Indiana and Iowa in 1899. So it's been going on a long time. (laughs) But I don't know if it's ever been quite like this. And just a black hole sucking the entire West Coast traditional 115-year-old-plus conference right out of existence. It's wild. Hey, things could have happened this way here because the Midwest is losing population. Mm. Chicago, Detroit, the three big cities in Ohio, they're all losing people because they're migrating to the South and they're migrating to the West. And the numbers aren't there. And as much as people didn't like Jim Delaney as the Big Ten commissioner, I think things worked out very, very well for them. The expansion for Rutgers and Maryland, I know Rutgers is the joke of this conference right now. But they brought in cable subscribers that allowed to have a lead in how much money you could have. But a lot of things have worked out for Jim Delaney and a lot of things have. have worked out for Big Ten. And because of where the negotiations fell, again, we talk about the Big 12 and the Pac-12 of how things worked out about when they negotiated and where the rights of what was left. The Big 10 could have easily been a victim to all of this. So it's okay if you feel bad for the Pac-12 because this could have happened to us, but we're the winner. The Big 10 is the winner in all this in a two-league super conference. And as I have said before, it is better to eat than to be eaten. And the Big Ten, if you want to get mad at them, fine. But they choose to eat and not be absorbed. One one advantage the Big Ten's had is fans show up to watch crappy football in the Big Ten. And they buy tickets and they buy suites at Iowa, at Michigan, at Michigan State mostly, right? Nebraska now. Nebraska. (laughs) Right. They show up, don't they? They do. Like, that's one advantage, put money in the coffers. So, which is huge for Michigan, right? It's over $10 million a, a home game for Michigan. Okay. The other financial thing here is that you know that, well, first of all, the Oregon-Washington thing, even though geographically (laughs) they're still pretty spread out, you know a selling point to the school presidents and chancellors to approve it was this notion of this West Coast pod to ease this concern of travel for all the sports. We can get to that some other time. But as far as the money is concerned, I know They have to be privately thinking about revenue sharing and the fact that they're going to have, especially now, because when I think there is going to be a protest, and I think there is going to be a protest, I think it's going to be quelled by revenue sharing. But you have to have revenue to share. And the Big Ten is going to have revenue to share, whether it's part of the TV contract or the shoe deals or something. It's coming. I I really feel like it's coming. And it may be forced down their, their throats. Man. Look at Stanford. How many athletic teams do they have? Do they have 40 teams? It's 36-plus. I mean, they have more than Michigan, and Michigan is 29. I think Washington has 20 in Oregon, 18 or 16. Two volleyball teams, one beach, one regular, right, on the women's side. An enormous track team, I assume, in Oregon, right, because of the legendary Bowerman Field and all their history there. So they're going to be okay. But Stanford, oh, my God. What are they going to do? So they're, they're going to have to do something here. Yeah. Um, someone talked about tapping into their endowment. I always feel like that's always been something the schools have avoided is mixing those waters with the athletic fund 
but Michigan could easily do that. So a lot of yeah. things are happening very quickly, and so I'm not afraid to admit we're recording this on the Monday night of August 7th. So, you know, if you're hearing it right away, it's, you know, 36 hours. Oh, right. If the whole thing this. goes upside down. I, I mean, <laughs> hey, this afternoon, I'm, I'm learning for the first time about the ACC is being allowed to bet Stanford. Yeah. And one of the reasons why the Big Ten was able to get Oregon and Washington on board, because they vetted a long time ago. They had already move. figured this yeah. out a long time ago. If this were to happen, this is what it would mean. But the price was never right, basically on at least the Big Ten side, for sure. Well, they knew that Washington and Oregon wasn't going to bring the same type of money. That's yeah. why they were never invited in the first place. So four new teams. The existing contract was negotiated for the most part before UCLA, USC joined. Is, is that fair? Do I have my timing right there? But certainly before this. They knew that this was happening, okay. USC and UCLA. Okay, but we didn't know about Oregon and Washington. No, no okay. they weren't going to do that. But what they did was they left room for the idea of expansion and how that dollar value would change. I got it. So there, this is contemplated in the existing contract, this notion. Yes. So, so let's just say there's another team added, like a Florida State right. or a Stanford or somebody like that. They know what it's worth. Okay, they have a dollar figure. They, they've already figured it out. Okay. I, think, I think the most likely scenarios was what if we could add Notre Dame? Right, right. Here's our number there. And they vetted out and figured out Oregon and Washington, because those were the two best teams left in the Pac-12. And then there was the Stanford-Cal pairing because of their academic reputation and the history. Let's put up a number for that. Okay. And so they went through a number of various scenarios. I'm not sure that Florida State was kind of figured into it or Florida State-Clemson. They could probably figure it out. But I'm sure they were probably figuring out Kansas-Kansas State. Or were they figuring out Duke and North Carolina? Yeah. But one of the things I've learned in this process, it didn't matter what you did in basketball. No. It just didn't matter. It, it, the Big Ten could have gotten Kansas. Yeah, I wonder if that would change if the NCAA collapses and that revenue that the NCAA gets today for the NCAA tournament goes to some other source or they bid that out or something where there's more money. You know, yeah. I was approached by a former captain of the Michigan basketball team that brought up that very fact that the thing that might screw this whole thing up is about the NCAA and the NCAA tournament and the basketball and the revenue and the jumping and flipping of conferences and what it may ruin the NCAA tournament. I said, let me research that a little yeah, further. Yeah, I've heard and that I, come up. And I haven't <laughs> done that yet, but, but he actually brought that up to That's me. That's interesting. Well, yes. The surprising thing is people don't understand this, but if you look at the NCAA's books, that's basically their revenue source. That's left. That's theirs. It's the NCAA Hoops Tournament. <laughs> so if that gets screwed up, boy, we'll see. Well, what we're finding is that nobody gave a darn about your basketball reputation when it came to asking members into your conference or conference realignment. It was all about football it yep. was not necessarily about how well you did in football either. It was what kind of money can you bring in? What kind of market size? I mean, th there's two Big Ten schools in a Detroit market that's rapidly declining. I mean, nobody thinks about the possibility of Michigan, Michigan State not being wanted. But if things evolved in a different way, you could see the argument that would say two Big Ten schools in one market and you got to pay two big oh, Michigan right. and Michigan State, yeah. probably not worth it because Seattle and Detroit are basically the same size. 
in population. And the Big Ten decided Washington wasn't good enough. <laughs> Are you going to tell me that Michigan and Michigan State sharing a Detroit market is worth it, but, but Seattle and the University of Washington isn't? I'm not necessarily buying it. We got to look forward a little bit because yes. I think there are some questions about the Big Ten, and one of the things on my mind is scheduling, yeah, and determining a champion. So, which one do you want to go? What does this mean for the Big Ten right now? It's a very long list. We're only going to get into the cursory glances of this, but you have two potentially high-quality football programs entering this conference, which is a great thing. Oregon has you know, six top ten final rankings since 2010. They've also had three unranked seasons since 2016. Washington has two top 10 rankings since 2016, including last year, and three unranked seasons in that span. But they're still football powerhouses, and Washington is likely to be favored to beat Michigan State when they go into East Lansing. Mm. So what you're going to have is 18 teams. You have Michigan, Ohio State, USC, Penn State. I'm going to move Oregon to like the number five spot to me right now in terms of where they are now and where they could be. You also have Wisconsin and Washington, that's six or seven. I'm not sure where this leaves Nebraska, UCLA, and for goodness sakes, Michigan State. Yeah. Where does this leave them? You know, Ricky Bobby said, If you ain't first, you're last. They said this in the summer. Nebraska was hoping in a few years under Matt Rule that they'll be in the top third. And I think we joked about this in episode 12 of our last podcast. That makes them number five. Nebraska's not number five in this league when Oregon and Washington step right. in. Nebraska and Michigan State and Maryland and other schools, like Wisconsin, are fighting for the top half. You're fighting for nine. You don't want to be 10. And if the fans have the mentality of, if my team isn't first, we're last, about their individual schools, sure. and you keep growing the number in conference... I can only imagine what that's going to do for these schools that are, say, 10 through 18. Yeah, it's tough. I... Are you going to go to games anymore if you don't even think you're in the top half of where you reside? If you ain't first, you're last. I was listening to Paul Feinbaum because I'm eating this stuff up, right? I'm finding everything I could. And he had an old interview with Bobby Bowden, and he was talking about their decision to go to the ACC. And he's like, we knew it was an easier path to the national title. It's easier to be first in the ACC. It's easier to win that conference as opposed to the SEC, which, which was his choice. He just flat out said it. Man, Big Ten just got tough, man. So, I mean, the question is, how are we going to do the scheduling? You've already implied, Steve, earlier on that you think there's going to be more conference games, which could sacrifice home games because you can't That's have – problem. You can't have That's Carolina, okay? And then where does Notre Dame fit in? If it's me, and I probably would have said this a couple years ago, I like playing Notre Dame, but you know what? Not anymore. I'd rather play Oregon and Washington than Notre Dame, frankly. Why is that? Why is that? Well, they're in our conference now. We've got teams we can play. I'd rather expand. They're in our conference, but they don't feel like our brother in arms. No, no, they're not our brothers. But if I want a quality game, and I'd rather us expand the conference schedule as opposed to accommodate a Notre Dame right now and if they want to play on their own go play somewhere else play some other teams and i wonder if we should have a policy i'm like turning on this because i i love that game but if we have three or four non-conference games it makes more sense to me but man we've got all of these teams that and by the way that schedule we we walked through the schedule for 2024 2025 that's blown up now 
What are they going to oh, do? Oh, th- that great conference schedule yeah. that you and I praised yeah. a month ago, it's out the window. Yeah. It's gone. It's gone. So what are they going to do? And then you get to the championship. Like, how are they we going to liter- they're literally <laughs> They cannot do an addendum to that 24-25 schedule. It's got to be blown up and start from scratch. Yeah. And it's a lot tougher with 18 than it does at 16. And if some people think it's going to be easy, no, I think it's going to be difficult because they're not going to be able to accomplish all the goals that they originally set out. Schedule equity and finding out people not forcing rivalries that don't belong and rivalries that are there to continue to make them exist. I'm not seeing how that's going to happen, but there are far smarter people than I am on that. Can I talk about strength and non-conference scheduling before yeah. we wrap this up? And yeah, I think yeah. that a lot of it can be addressed in our future podcasts yeah, as, yeah, we, we, as we get to, to the season. About. So after listening to the quality of those football programs that I mentioned within the conference itself and the potential of adding conference games to maximize their income, Big Ten schools are going to start scheduling teams that will face them only at Big Ten stadiums without a return trip. Now, why is that? Why do teams schedule passes and cupcakes to begin with? Is it an easier path to being undefeated and make the national championship? Absolutely. But really, the reason is you can pay them more to come to your Big Ten stadium than they can make at their home. It's increasingly difficult, though, to schedule a Power 5 school without making a return visit because they want the return, because they want the win. They want to get their fannies in their seats to see a big game. And the big schools don't want to go out on the road and do that. So they buy out the contract. And if they're going to play two games, they're both going to be played at the Big Ten venue. And they don't have to go out there. And it isn't necessarily not wanting to play on the road in fear of losing a game. It's the fear of losing out on a home payday. Now, as fans, we want more Washingtons. You said it. We want more Oregons playing in the big house and less of the East Carolinas, less of the UNLVs and the Hawaiis. But they do it. Because Michigan can schedule 15 home games out of a possible 24 in a two-year cycle. Yep, eight and seven, yep. Okay, that's how they do it. Why is it like that? Well, when you play that nine-game conference schedule, it's five one year on the road, and it's five the other year at home. How do you try to make money evenly when you're playing five road games? You better make sure all three of your non-conference games are at home. And if you got five at home in conference and four on the road, then you can maybe have a home-and-home with somebody somewhere. And if you play a 10-conference game schedule, Greg, the best you can do now is play 14 home games out of 24, not 15. And that's if if two of your non-conference games are always at home. The best you can do is 14 out of 24. Yep. So if you and for add, Michigan, that's over $10 million. Losing a home game is over $10 million. And, and how important is that to Michigan? Not to lose $10 million? It was important enough to realize that when I did the math, that they didn't want Oregon and Washington to begin with because it would cost everybody $4 million. Yeah, that's right. The Ducks and the Huskies weren't invited into the conference a year ago because it would cost each of the schools $4 million. Why isn't it costing them $4 million now? Because they're only going to give Washington and Oregon half throughout the life of this 2030 contract, okay? That's how they don't lose any money on this, but they decided not to invite them over $4 million. And now you're telling me that a home game at Michigan means $10 million. At least, And again, I'm going to stress that if they go to a 10-game conference schedule, the best you can do 
is 14 home games in a two-year cycle with both your non-conference games being at home. And if that's the way it's going to be, forget about Michigan playing Texas because you're going to have to go on the road to play them. Right. Michigan playing anybody else in a power conference, they're going to want the return trip. You're going to be having two of these UNLV East Carolina's Colorado State matchups, but it's certainly better than three. That's for sure. And you're going to get a better quality opponent in your conference schedule. And just treat that extra game as if it was a non-conference game when you're up saying, hey, we're bringing in UCLA. We're bringing in USC this year. We're bringing in Washington this year. Back then, it wouldn't have been a conference game. But I think USC and Notre Dame will try to find a way. I'm already hearing Washington, Washington State will have a way. Oregon and Oregon State will still have their civil war. The Apple Cup will still happen. Yeah. And, and can I add, though, I mean, right now, right now, Oregon State and Washington State are super pissed. They are super pissed because they thought they were on the brink of having a deal. They thought they agreed. Right. We're going to do Granite Rights so no one can leave. We're all in this together. Right, right, right. Poof, gone. Somebody was in the hospital room, okay? Oregon State and Washington State is in the gurney. They administered yeah. CPR, and then after they were breathing again and they were awake and they thought they were going to recover, somebody pulled the plug over an administrative error. Well, not even an administrative error. They just thought it cost too much to have this guy alive. Yeah. They pulled the plug. Yep, see ya. That's the way that I'd be ticked, too. Yeah, so we'll see. if Will they do it to their own detriment where they'll be so pissed that they don't want to schedule? I can tell you... Once they do schedule, those games are going to be something to see. <laughs> those teams are going to be fired up. They're going to be fired up, <laughs> and, and we're going to get better games as a result of this. I know what the conversation is going to be next, Greg, and I wish I could have said it a few days ago because it's already starting, and we're going to be talking about this on future podcasts, the idea of contraction. Mm. It is the next step. Will it happen in five years, 10 years, 20 years? I don't know. We'll get into the details of that when we begin Season 2 of The Professor and the Pundit. As always, The Professor and the Pundit is brought to you by our title sponsor, Wealth Advisor Nick Hopwood from Peak Wealth Management. If you're in the need for creative legal strategies to preserve your wealth or just want someone you can trust to take care of your nest egg so you can enjoy retirement to its fullest, go to peakwm.com. Let them know you're listening to The Professor and the Pundit. I'll be on WTKA previewing Michigan football opponents Wednesday morning at 9 a.m. on the Michigan Insider at Sports Talk 1050 WTKA. But, Bragg, it won't be long. We'll soon be talking about Michigan football. We'll be getting through the preseason contraction. I'm telling you, it's going to be an issue at some point. But remember, right now, in the here and now, the Big Ten is better, and Michigan football are the back-to-back Big Ten champs. Winners over Ohio State and Michigan State. Go blue, Greg. Go blue.